am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And I pray today, Father, that you will use me to speak the oracles of God and everything that is said and done will bring you glory and bring you honor and bring you praise. I surrender so that the Spirit of God can use me to minister to your people. Thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word today as we apply it to our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated here in the house and you may be seated here at home. Praise the Lord. So I started a new series and it's called Unapologetically Prosperous. And the title of the series means, it. let me just say it like this. It means that you shouldn't apologize, downplay, or operate in false humility when it comes to how God prospers you. Amen. However, what I'm not saying is that we should be boastful or prideful in what we have as if we have what we have because of us. The New Living Translation of Psalm 24.1, they're going to put it on the screen. It says, the earth is the Lord's. Look at your neighbor and say, this don't belong to you. The earth is the Lord's, and watch this, and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all its people belong to him. And so yesterday, uh, Pastor Polo sent me uh, something that I want to share with you. It was a download that God gave him while he was driving. He was thinking about the series, and this is what God downloaded on him. And so I'm quoting Pastor Polo right now. He says, do you know how much pride and ignorance one must have to apologize for being prosperous? To apologize, you must first admit that you are the cause of something wrong. That's what an apology is. So you're prideful to think that you are the reason you are prospering. You're ignorant for thinking that you're wrong, watch this, for being blessed by a principle or law that you didn't even set in motion, nor do you help to keep it in motion. I can't apologize for the law of gravity when I'm not the one who set it up. Nor am I the one who helps it to continue to function. Neither can I or should I apologize for the principle of sowing and reaping. Because I'm not the one who is responsible for it. So apologizing may appear as being humble. But it is the highest form of ignorance and pride. Now they're going to put some screenshots up. They're going to put some screenshots up. Uh, I'm going to share something with you uh, that happened to me here recently. And uh, 
they're going to start out with the photos. Uh, there's a photo there. Okay, so can you see that? Okay, uh, so just bear with me. Look at your neighbor and say, bear with him. Okay, so you all know that I'm pretty transparent. So I saw this post online. This post is actually a photo. It's a video on the actual post. And this is my neighbor taking a video or a picture of her neighbors across the street. We all live in the same neighborhood. And so she posted this and I just liked it, right? And so uh, this is my response. I said, it's great to live in a neighborhood where people have my taste. Thanks for sharing, neighbor. Now, just look at your neighbor right now and say, are you judging him? Are you doing it? Don't do that. Okay. Okay. So, so they respond by saying, hey, neighbor. Yes, I love it. So then there's another screenshot that go, go to this guy says, how can I become a pastor? Now, typically, I don't respond to haters, but I was in the mood this day. So my response said, faith is what gets you this. If being a pastor got you this, every pastor would have it. Let me teach you faith. So I shut him down. And I got 25 likes for doing it. So then go to the next screen, go to the next screen, the next screen, next screen. All right. So this person says, everybody is not as fortunate as you are, but I pray you give back because it's not a lot of, it it does not impress a lot of us. Okay. So the person who posted it knows me and they responded on my behalf because sometimes you got to let your friends deal with your haters. There's a, there's a Peter in every bunch. They respond by saying, oh, he definitely gives back. Yes. So then this other person says, isn't that because not all pastors are pocketing the donation money? They are trying the pastor. Now you got three levels you can walk in. You have the spirit. You have the flesh. And then you have the devil level. This next response is somewhere in between the flesh and devil level. I'm telling you in advance. So I normally don't do this. I was just in the mood this day. Because I never respond to this stuff. So here's my response. I was in the flesh. I'm just telling y'all. I said, I personally gave over $100,000 last year. And my church gave $591,000 to help those in need in other organizations. When a person matches my giving, I'll listen to their criticism. Every dollar I get is earned. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled, nothing is pure. So I thought I'd entertain y'all with some foolishness this morning. 
So last week we read a verse that I'm going to read again because it helps to understand what I would call a worldly minded attitude or in some cases a carnal minded attitude when it comes to Christians. This is in Psalm chapter 30 verse 6. The New Living Translation says this. David said, when I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. See, this is a self-sufficient, self-dependent attitude that comes from, watch this, us trusting in ourselves and not trusting in God. Say amen, church. Isaiah 31 talks about this verse that we're about to read, talks about what happens or what it looks like when we are self-dependent or when we trust in us. It says, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel Neither do they seek the Lord. And that's what happened last week when I talked about David. How David, he numbered or he did a census to all his soldiers to find out how many soldiers he had. And he was doing that because he wanted to see how much strength he had in his army. And God didn't want him to do that. And that's how we are sometimes. We rely on us instead of on him. Listen to the message translation of Isaiah 31. It says, doomed to those who go off to Egypt thinking that horses can help them. Impressed by military mathematics, awed by sheer numbers of chariots and riders. And to the Holy One of Israel, not even a glance, not so much as a prayer to God. When you and I become self-dependent, when we become self-sufficient, we pray less. And we do less when it comes to God. See, when you are doing it on your own, prayerlessness is what exists. In fact, the less prayer, more flesh. Everybody say, less prayer, more flesh. Listen to Matthew 16, 26. Jesus says, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his what? Lose his soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen to the easy to read Bible. If you don't get this one, there's no other version for you. The easy to read version says, it is worth, it is worth nothing for you to have the whole world if you yourself are lost. You can never pay enough to buy back your life. And church, let me say this. It's so easy. For people to trust in riches, watch this, because riches have deceit or deception tied to it. In Mark chapter 4, I'm going to read it to you, but I want you to get this because I'm going to show you today. This is one of the strongholds of why people don't prosper. Because what they don't know is that their heart is connected to the deceitfulness of riches. Mark chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus was talking. He was in the middle of a parable. I don't want to read the whole parable. But it says, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. Enter in and it does what? It chokes the word and the word becomes unfruitful. I want you to notice in verse 19, it says, and the cares of this world and watch this church and the what 
deceitfulness of riches. Because riches has deceit tied to it. And if you notice here, the deceitfulness of riches, watch this, watch this, when it's there. It chokes the word and the word becomes unfruitful. So some of the word that's not working in people's lives, it's only because they are tied to the deceitfulness of riches and that spirit is choking the word. Oh, you are with me. So the deceitfulness of riches functions in two major ways. And I'm sharing this because I have to help you see what what is one of the biggest hindrances to you prospering. Most believers, most Christians don't know that they're tied to the deceitfulness of riches. And so there are two major ways in which the deceitfulness of riches work. Here's the first way. It deceives us to trust us. I'm going to say that again. This is how the spirit of the deceitfulness of riches. We could call it mammon. But it's this, it's a spirit. And when we're tied to this deceitfulness of riches, what it does is it deceives us to trust us. Everybody say it deceives us to trust us. The deceitfulness of riches, watch this. It works against the principles of kingdom prosperity. Why? Because it causes us to trust in us instead of trusting in God. And this is why people who don't tithe and don't give, it's because, listen to church, If you don't tithe, here's why. It's because they are functioning under the deceitfulness of riches and they don't know they are. They are trusting, watch this, in their way and not God's way. They trust the works of their hands over the works of God's hand. And this is why God's put in place a financial test that you and I take every time we get paid. This test, watch this, helps us to measure and monitor our level of trust that we have towards God or our level of trust towards money or our level of trust towards ourselves. Amen. Do you know God expects us to give every time he prospers us? Say amen to that. First Corinthians chapter 16 says, I'm reading uh, out of the King James. It says, now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do. Verse 2. He says, upon the first day of the week, typically that's Sunday, let every one of you, how many? Every one of you lay by him in store as God has what? Who prospers us? God prospers us. Listen, he says, so there will be no gatherings. Now, let me read it out of the Living Bible. It, It sounds better. Paul was saying to the Corinthians church. Now, here are the directions about the money you are collecting to send to the Christians in Jerusalem. And by the way, these are the same directions I gave to the churches in Galatia. Verse 2. On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. Then he says, watch this. This is how we know it was something that was specific. He says, the amount that you give Depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. See, when it comes to tithing, it's equal sacrifice, but it's different amount. And that's why tithing is fair. Why? We're all giving 10. It's just 10 of what I earn. Say amen to that. 
So the first way that the deceitfulness of riches works is that it deceives us to trust us. And that's the big one. Because let me just say this. I know you may justify and say, well, I don't tithe because I got this, I got that, I got bills. We all got bills. The only reason you got money is because you got some bills. And the only reason you got some bills is because you got some money. Right? But here's the second way, and this was deep right here. Here's the second way that this deceitfulness of riches gets us. It deceives us to believe the world's way over the word's way. When someone is functioning under the deceitfulness of riches, it causes us to believe the world's way over the word's way. And this is when we, watch this now, we see the world prospering. We see the world being blessed. We see the world possessing things that we should have, but we allow the deceitfulness of riches to lie to us because this spirit, this thing lies. So let me give you a couple of the lies. Here's some lies that the deceitfulness of riches lies. Here's one of them. My coworker don't tithe and they living good. How many have heard that lie? How many have heard that lie? You know, we sit up there and you, you look, wait a minute. They don't even tithe. They don't even go to church. Here's a lie number. Here's a lie. Look at all the rappers and the movie stars. They rich. They don't tithe. They don't serve God. They serve the Illuminati. And this deceitfulness of riches will cause you to start thinking just like that. That for some reason, tithing and giving and watch this, prospering God's way. And I'm a, the next week is going to be really good. Prospering God's way really don't work. And if it worked, what, why is it that people who are non-Christians and non-believers and why, why is it that, that they're prospering and they don't even do what we're doing? Well, it sounds like when we have that attitude, we're being deceived. It sounds like Malachi chapter 3. This is in today's English version in verse 13. Watch what God said to the, to, to the people in Malachi. He says, you have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you ask, what have we said about you? Verse 14. You have said, this is God talking, it's useless to serve God. What's the use of doing what he says or trying to show the Almighty we're sorry for what we've done? Verse 15, as we see it, proud people are the ones who are happy. Evil men not only prosper, but they test God's patience with their evil deeds and they get away with it. This is how we say it. What all those rich people, sports figures, all of these people, they don't tithe, they don't give, they're rich. So what? Well, so how are they rich and they ain't doing what we doing? This is how the deceitfulness of riches mindset talks. And here's the thing. We fail to realize as believers that the devil, listen church, the devil has power and one of the ways he uses his power is to prosper people. We're about to open up something right now. I'm going to pull back a curtain for you to see something. Because the big question among believers is, why isn't my life harder than Joel's life? Joel over there, not that Joel, but Joel. <laughs> Joel in the cubicle next to me. Joel, and they getting high, they smoke weed, they go to the strip club every Friday. But he's driving a better car than me. He lives in a better house than me. Uh, uh, why is that? 
Well, we fail to realize that the devil has power and one of the ways he uses his power is to prosper people. Look in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus himself tells us that the devil has power. In uh, Luke 10, 19, it says, Behold, I give, this is Jesus talking, I give you power, that word power translates to authority. I give you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over how much church? All the what? The power that who has? The enemy. And nothing shall by enemies hurt you. So that tells us right there. The enemy has power. And here's my point. One of the things he uses with his power is to make people prosperous. Watch this now. One of the main tactics is that he uses uh, this prosperity that he gives to people. He deceives them. And watch this. He'll give you riches and fame and fortune. Look in now Luke chapter 4. He tried to do it to Jesus. Look in Luke 4 verse 1. It says, And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he didn't eat, and when he when they were ended, he was hungry. Verse 3. And the devil said, everybody say the devil said because the devil can talk. And the devil said to him, if you be the son of God, command that these stones that be, be made bread. Now let me just say this. The devil knew without a doubt that Jesus could make those stones bread. He knew that. It wasn't his point to get Jesus to prove that. His point was trying to get Jesus to doubt who he was. Because he said, if you'll do that, Prove to you, to prove that you are the son of God, if you be the son of God. And see, that's what he does with us. This is why a lot of believers, the, the biggest thing that they're challenged with in life is not knowing who they are. So the first temptation he hit Jesus with was with his identity. He says, if you be the son of God. And then verse 4, Jesus said to him, notice it said Jesus answered him, don't just let the devil talk to you. You better talk back to him. Look at your neighbor and say, you better clap back at the devil. Clap back, clap back, clap back. <laughs> and Jesus answered said to him, it is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, here's the one that I want you to see. The devil is about to take the power that he has and tempt Jesus with it. Watch this now. Verse 5. And the devil took him unto a high mountain. And watch this church. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in one moment of time. He showed him the power. He showed him the authority. He showed him everything that the world had to offer. And it says that he showed him all the kingdoms. And the devil said to him. Watch this. What's the next word church? All. Everybody say all. All All this power will I give you. You mean to tell me? The devil is trying to give Jesus some power? Yes. Here's the question. Where did he get it from? He can't give what ain't his. I said he can't give what ain't his. The moment Adam sinned, Adam gave his authority over to the devil. And so now the earth, even though the earth belongs to God, it's being ruled by by the devil. That's why it says we are in this world, but we're not of this world. 
And so it says, and the devil said to him, all this power I will give you. Watch this. And then he says, and the glory. Oh, you want to be famous, Jesus? I got you. For that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever, watch this church. Here's the part I want you to get. Whosoever I will give it to, I can do that. But here's the condition. You got to fall down and you got to worship me. And he says, and if you do that, all will be yours. And let me just say this, church, those people that you are concerned about and how they making it. And they look like they prospering and they ain't tithing and they living good. You know why? Because they are worshiping the devil. Oh, no, 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 no. He has given them. Listen, some people have made pacts with the devil. Just for prosperity's sake, they gave their soul over to him. And let me just say this. The devil is, he, he's going to cause a lot of people who aren't believers to prosper. He wants them to stay that way. Because, listen, they don't know that they're going to gain the world, but they're going to lose their soul. The devil's prosperity has strings attached to it. Say amen to that. Now, I'm about to say something that's very strong. Look at your neighbor and say, this has caffeine in it. (laughs) The devil doesn't mind you hearing something new or even hearing something different because hearing something new or different can change what you know without changing you. Watch this, though. But your life will change. When you allow what you hear, watch this now, to change how you think. So watch this. I'm going to answer the question. So what is the key to prospering God's way? It's getting your soul to think differently than how you're thinking right now. There's another level from where you are right now. Everybody say there's another level. No, no, there's another level of thinking that we have. Listen, the only way your life is going to change is when your thinking changes. You don't change your thinking, you won't change your life. Say amen to that. Uh, I was in a staff meeting uh, this past week and uh, we were talking about some gifts for the Father's Day. And I, we were throwing just ideas around and we, we were throwing the man cave idea around. And so uh, one of the uh, gifts that we were throwing around, I don't think we ended up doing it, but one of them was a projector, uh, you know, for a theater room, a projector. And so uh, something, somebody said something like, well, pastor, those projectors uh, are like $2,500. Uh, is that how it went like that? Did it go like that? Yeah, something like uh, those projectors cost $2,500. I said, well, that's not a problem. And they said it was the way it rolled off my tongue for me to just make it look like it wasn't no big deal. Well, to me, it was no big deal. You know, sometimes when staff comes to me about something, and it might be like, I don't know, like $700. And here's, you know, and they come like it might be a big deal. And I say to them, let me tell you something. If this church is going to go broke over $700, we all in trouble. We all in trouble. Get your, get to pack your stuff up. Let's go home. We not going to make it. 
but I don't think there's a bill in this church that's seven hundred dollars. Amen. Amen. So the key to prospering is to think differently. Third John two. Here we go. We're gonna close with this. Third John two. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. Everybody say and. And And be in health. Because bad health with money is no good. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Here's the condition. Here's the caveat. Even as your soul prospers. The word prosper there means to have help on the road. It means to succeed in reaching. It also means to succeed in business affairs. And so this word soul, is it has a dynamic to it that I want you to get and then we're going to close. Everyone, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. See, the spirit part of you is the part of you that God made like him. That's the part of you that's eternal. That's the part of you that is going to live forever. Okay? That's the spirit part. But when you go back and read, when God made Adam, he made the spirit of Adam in in chapter 1. He says, let us make man in our image. And the Bible says, in the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. And then you keep reading. And then it says, he formed that man out of the dust of the ground. That was the physical part. Now, he made the spirit part. And then he formed him out of the dust of the ground. That's his body. And then the Bible says, he breathed into him the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And here's the problem. Most people's souls are messed up. And you say, well, Pastor Evan, what's my soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. Everybody say, my mind, my will, my thoughts, and how I feel. And most people cannot walk in faith, biblical faith, because they are soul-dominated. I'm going to say that again. Most people cannot walk in biblical faith because they are soul dominated. Meaning that how they feel is more important to them than faith. Can I tell you a secret? There's no faith, there's no feelings when it comes to faith. Faith don't have no feelings. When you walk in by faith, it has nothing to do with how you feel. And so when you learn how to successfully walk by faith, you have to separate how you feel from it. Because if you, listen, if you wait for a feeling when it comes to faith, you, and let me say it like this. If you want to feel something, when you're walking in faith, you ain't in faith. Oh, did you get that? Oh, no, no, no. For we walk by faith and not by what is what does the sight represent? Your senses. We walk by faith and not by feelings. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by touch. We walk by faith and not by what we smell. We walk by faith and not what by what we see. You you cannot walk in faith and dominate and be dominated by your soul. You can't do it. Amen. Let me show you this word soul in a different verse using a different English word. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame 
And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Watch this verse 3. Here's this word. It's coming up. For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Read it with me. Lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. See that word minds? That's the same word soul. So I'm going to say this again because some of y'all didn't receive it when I said it. I said, you will not walk in the next level of prosperity until you get your mind right. Get your thinking right. Because let me tell you something. You're just one thought away from being at the next level. Just one thought. Just one thought. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just one thought away. Romans 12, 1. We're closing with this one. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, he's saying, give God your body and leave it there on the altar until you die. Just be a living sacrifice. The feelings of wanting to cut somebody out may not ever go away. I know some of y'all are waiting for the feeling to go away. It might not go away. I know you're waiting on that feeling to not cheat, to go away. It might not go away. What are you going to do? And some of y'all got the fighting spirit. You're too old to be fighting. You're too old to be fighting. You're going to swing two times be tired like... You too old to be fighting. You got that fighting spirit on you. That fighting spirit might not ever go away. But then verse 2. He says, be not conformed to the world. But in contrast to that, he says, be transformed by the what? renewing of your what renewing of your mind and when your mind is renewed listen church you'll be able to prove what's good and you'll be able to prove what's acceptable and you'll be able to know and prove what the perfect will of god is and so most people don't know the perfect will of god why because their mind is not fully renewed do you know you can have a half renewed mind This is why a person's life can be strong over here and be raggedy over here. It's a half-renewed mind. So here's the question. So how do we successfully change our thinking? I was approached, uh, I was going into an alteration place and there was uh, five people sitting at a table outside of this coffee shop and so when I drove up uh, two of the people at the table husband and wife knew me and so I, I I didn't see them you know how you don't see them but they see you and so I'm walking into the I'm walking across the street and they said Pastor Evan and I go over there and I see them and so they introduced me to this uh, group and this group uh, one of the guys had been incarcerated for like 13 years and so his his ministry is to go into these alternative schools and uh, and talk to these young people about 
uh, his experience and about, uh, you know, not not going to prison. And I said, uh, I said, my perspective is a little different. I said, because we already know what the statistics are. Most prisons, 90% of prisons are populated by African-American males. We know that. We already know that the system is set up that they, that they want us in jail. Okay. And they, the system is set up that we cannot do the same thing as other races. And I'm not being racial here. I'm just telling you the truth. There are certain things as a black person or a black man, you can't, you can't talk back to the police. I be looking at some of this stuff on social media. I'm like, wow. Uh, sir, this is Johnny. Johnny, would you step out the car? No, officer. Can I have your license? No. Man, if it's a black person, be like, uh, first of all, they, they may not even be nice like that. I need your license and registration. In fact, you need to get out of the car. What? I'm not going to be, I'm, you know what I'm going to be like? Yes, sir. <laughs> I said, because I already know those things are against me. Watch this. Why in my right mind would I do things to put me in jail? They're not putting me in jail. Watch this church. I know black people ain't going to like this. We put ourselves in there. They don't make us go off. I had to go off. No, you did not have to go off. (laughs) I had to do it, pastor. I had to cuss them out. No, you didn't have to. So here's the question. Here's the question. I done got off. Here we go. (laughs) So how do we successfully change our thinking? Come back next week and I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Come on, give me a hand clap. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come back next week and I'm going to tell you. Look at your neighbor. Say the devil is a liar. Go on and tell the devil is a liar. I'm out of time. It's 1025. So how do we apply the message? Number one, listen to the message again. Because if I told you one change in your thought process can take you from being a thousandaire to a millionaire. Wouldn't you pursue changing your thinking? So listen to the message again. Number two, write down some things that you do or ways of thinking that you have that may be keeping you from prospering. Do you say stuff like, I can't afford that? Well, technically, that's not true. Say, well, Pastor, I don't have the money right now. Well, depends on how you view it. See, Here's the deal. The scripture says, God will supply all of my, my what? According to his what? So as long as I have a, God is obligated to. So what stops me from changing something that I want to a need? (laughs) 
Single women, how many single women in here? Let me see. Okay. Okay. So you're going to have to change. Not need no man to need a man. Well, I don't need no pastor. I got, I got my house. I got my car. I got money. I got this. Yeah, but until you have a need, God can't supply it. Oh, oh, oh. So let me ask you a question. Do you think Adam needed Eve? The Bible said it. That's why God made her. He said, oh, no, it's not good for man to be alone. So my question again is, do you think Adam needed Eve? Okay, so if Adam needed Eve, Eve had to need. So until you womaned of God, see a man as a need, God's not obligated to supply it. According to his riches and glory. By, oh, so you can keep dating online you want to. That's not riches and glory. That's called online. <laughs> Write down some things. Number two. Number three. Start tithing if you're not so that you're in position to start prospering. Because let me tell you something. God's trust system starts with what, with, with, watch this, with current instructions. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's my question. What is it about this message that you need to change? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next week, I am going to literally break poverty curses. I'm going to break it next next week. Because some of you, you're under something that you were born in. Hallelujah. Here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? 